Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 81 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. Today, we're talking with Matthew Wettenkamp, a Marine Corps scout sniper who went on to serve with the Wounded Warrior Project and is now the outreach manager with the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. Matt and I have a conversation about how we need to change how we think and talk about veteran mental health. The entire veteran community, like it's all mental health. That's all mental health. Mental health is not just sitting down and talking to you or talking to another clinician, or as I like to say, you know, mental health is not just sitting down and talking to somebody with initials after their name. You know, all these organizations out there that create, uh, try to recreate that military community in civilian life, they're all doing mental health. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veteran service members and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast once again. And as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. Uh, as you know, we often have uh, clinicians uh, coming on the show to help people understand more uh, about the effectiveness of veteran mental health. Uh, and we also sometimes have veterans coming on the show to talk about their mental health journey. And once again, today's show is uh, sort of a combination of the both. Uh, my, my guest today uh, is a veteran himself, but also uh, works with the uh, Cohen Veterans Network, one of their newest clinics in Denver, Colorado. And, uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Cohen, a little bit about peer support, uh, and a little bit about how to overcome the barriers that, that uh, exist in, uh, in getting veterans into treatment. So uh, my guest today is uh, Matt Wettenkamp. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I know that we've been uh, trying to try to do this. Our schedules have been uh, uh, competitively busy, but I'm glad we were finally able to, to get this off the ground. Um, before we get started about the work you're doing, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and 
sort of uh, where you came from and how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, background, you know, just uh, I grew up in South Dakota, um, kind of normal, normal upbringing, uh, uh, younger sibling, younger sister, family, uh, parents still together, you know, kind of a typical upbringing. Um, I joined uh, the Marine Corps in 2000. Um, so I, I signed up during my uh, before my senior year in high school. Uh, September 11th of 2000 was actually my first day uh, in the Marine Corps. So 9-11 happened on my one year anniversary. Um, I was a scout sniper, uh, deployed to Iraq uh, with the initial invasion in, in 2003. Uh, spent about six or seven months there. Uh, came back in September or so and got out about a year later. Um, when I moved out to D.C., spent a little bit of time working in the intel community. Um, did a little traveling with that. Um, and did that for a little while while I was going to school. Um, when I was got back into school is kind of when I first got the uh, um, kind of the draw to get in, back into the veteran world and get back into the military world. Uh, I started going to school with some fellow veterans and kind of getting plugged back into that community and talking about things and talking about the struggles uh, uh, faced by, by folks coming back and decided I wanted to kind of get back into that world. Um, started working with Wounded Warrior Project out in the DC office back in 2012. Um, you know, visiting Bethesda, visiting you know, service members and their families on the inpatient ward as they were coming back, uh, back off the battlefield injured and trying to get them plugged into to services there in the D.C. area. Uh, moved out to Denver um, later on in 2013, uh, still working with Wounded Warrior Project. And so I, I transferred out to their office here in, in Colorado and spent a few years doing outreach for, for Wounded Warrior Project. And then uh, a little over a year ago, uh, moved over and, and started working with Cohen Veterans Network. Uh, stood up the clinic here in Denver, the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at University of Colorado, Anschutz Medical Campus, uh, where we provide uh, mental health services to uh, veterans and their family members. So it's uh, it's interesting. You you got out of the uh, Marine Corps out after one um, one tour, uh, or, or after the the. Um the combat deployment, but you said that you, you kind of went away from the military community for a little bit. Um, you know, I'm sure you see, I've seen veterans that kind of do that, right? They're done with the military. They step away for a while. Um, was it intentional for you to distance yourself like that or? You know, I don't think so. I I don't think it was intentional. Um, I had a lot of regrets about getting out and about not going back. Uh, I turned down the opportunity to go on another deployment, uh, and I think that weighed really heavily on me. I know that weighed really heavily on me. I wasn't conscious at the time, um, but I think I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for not doing that. Um, and so I didn't really want to wear that title of, of veteran, of combat veteran. I didn't want to wave that flag proudly. Um, and uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't think it was a conscious decision at the time, but I think, you know, now, you know, after reflecting on it and um, after some great mental health services that I've received, uh, you know, kind of unpacking some of that and kind of realizing the journey uh, the last, you know, 15 years took me on. Um, that That's definitely, you know, it was, uh, I, I separated myself, you know, from, from the community for a reason, but, um, you know, sucked me back in <laughs> and I'm, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back in the community and I have been for, you know, for years now and, and just glad to be, be able to continue to serve in a different way. 
You know, that's typically, you know, and I see veterans when they'll distance themselves and then come back in because they feel like something had been missing, right? They feel like, uh, you know, we often talk about the camaraderie in our post-military lives is not the same uh, as it was when we were in the military. Um, is that one of the things that you saw really kind of brought you back into the veteran community? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I mean, that was the first, that was the first hook, uh, like I said, was was getting connected with some uh, there was a couple of Marine Corps veterans who, who were in some classes with me at Georgetown and um, just starting to chat with them and just it, it was, you know, getting sucked right back into that, that, that brotherhood, that connection and feeling that bond. And it was, you know, even though I had never met these, these guys before. Uh, I was like, of course, it was like I it was kind of like I had always known them. They were brothers, you know, and we start right back into the military lingo and sharing stories. And um, yeah, and then you realize that you miss that connection and you risk you miss that that feeling of that camaraderie and um, and uh, yeah, wanting to wanting to do more, wanting to get back in and, and figure out a way to serve again. So your your work with the Wounded Warrior Project was uh, was a lot more advocacy. Was it specifically uh, mental health related, or is that something that emerged out of uh, the work that you were doing? No, I was, it was it was I was on the outreach team, uh, with what Wounded Warrior Project calls the alumni program. So it was a lot of outreach, you know, directly to you know mostly to veterans and their family members, but some to kind of community partners and other VSOs and things like that. Uh, it was kind of a almost like a, uh, a combined outreach case manager kind of role. So it was like connecting with veterans and their families, hearing what's going on with them, hearing what they're struggling with, and kind of assessing what they might need, and then and then kind of playing the case manager role and getting them plugged into the right program and the right service, whether that was you know one of Wounded Warrior Projects or one of the um, one of our community partners, other VSOs in the, in the community, and that's when you see the mental health need. Uh, you know, Wounded Warrior Project, for all the great programs that they have, they didn't have any clinical programs. And that was the big struggle. That was a big struggle. That was one of the one of the gaps that like we talk about. We always talk about the gaps in veteran programming. And it was, you know, where do we connect veterans and their families when they're ready to receive mental health care, when they're when they're ready to do it and they've decided, you know, enough is enough. You know, where do we connect them to? And uh, and they're just, you know, there there aren't enough. Right. I, I can uh, definitely relate. My first um, uh, career, my first job after I retired uh, was with a homeless program, and we could do a lot of different things for veterans. Uh, we could get them jobs. We can get them dressed for success and, you know, suits for interviews, and, and we could even get them housing. The one thing that we could not do was get them uh, quick, effective, and appropriate mental health care. You know, many of these veterans, the only resources they had uh, were the VA. Sometimes the VA was overwhelmed and unless they were in a crisis state. Uh, and so seeing the same thing, you know, uh, having that gap um, in, in really the mental health is an underlying aspect of all the other issues, right? Yep, absolutely. So you, um, you then transitioned into uh, the Cohen Veterans Network. And, and for those listening, uh, we did have uh, Anthony Hassan uh, of the uh, Cohen Veterans Network back on episode eight, and, uh, and Cohen Veterans Network is is doing some really great stuff about trying to bring uh, mental health to the veterans and their family members that need it. Um, you're in a a peer support and outreach role there as well, but it's more focused on mental health. 
Yeah, we're we're a mental health clinic, and so you know my my role is to go out and and you know find the veterans and their families who who need uh, need mental health care and and talking about it. I mean, obviously that's a big part of what I do. Is it's not so not just as simple as finding the folks who need it. Oftentimes it's 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 convincing them to 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 seek the care and to and to receive it. Um, and so uh, I've been talking about how it works and, and, and what to look for and, um, you know, what you should expect. And, um, and, and more so, I think it's just about how to think about mental health care. We just think of it, think about it and we talk about it very differently than we talk about different kinds of health care. Uh, and so I really want to be that, that intermediary, that conduit between the veteran community and the mental health mental health care and the mental health community uh and kind of you know almost being a translator from, from sometimes um uh, kind of talking to them about about what it is and how it works and what to expect so when you say that we we think about and talk about mental health care differently than we talk about physical health care uh what kind of stuff do you mean um, from big and small, I mean, it, it, like little things that I've noticed, right. It, um, in any, almost like in any situation, like say in an office, right. And I, if I have to go to primary care, if I have, if I'm sick, like if I have the flu or I have, or you, know, someone has, my daughter has a rash or, I mean, you name it, a physical health ailment. We talk, we just say what doctor I'm going to see. Like I've got to go see my orthopedist. Or I've got to go see my, you know, I've got primary care or what, whatever it is. Um, but if we have, you know, an appointment with our psychiatrist, we just say, well, I have an appointment or, or I, I just need to take time off or I need a couple hours off. Uh, we don't talk about, you know, why we're going. It's like there's something we need to hide, right? Uh, there's, there, we can't talk about the fact that we're going to see uh, a mental health uh, practitioner. Um, so just like, from little things to that, um, to um, and then the, I think the the next thing that was a big one for me is um, it's about the expectation of recovery. Um, we think about mental health care differently than physical health care in that you know if you have an ailment physically, you know, you go to a doctor because there are known treatments that fix that ailment. You know we we've figured out how to fix broken legs at this point. So if you have a broken leg. You go to a doctor because there's no known treatments that fix broken legs. Well, there's also known treatments that fix mental health ailments as well. And I think that's what people, people don't think of it like that. People think of mental health care as something that, you know, once you're in, you're in for life. You've got to have your weekly appointment with your psychologist every single week to talk about your problems and sit on the couch and grab a box of Kleenex and cry and you're in it for life. This is something you're never going to get rid of. Um, and it's just not true. These problems are fixable. Um, you know, and I think that's, those are the two big ones for me. Uh, when, uh, one, when we start talking about mental health care, we talk in vague terms and hushed tones, and um, we're embarrassed to admit that we're going to see that kind of doctor. And the other thing is just the expectation of recovery. People don't think of mental health care as, as something that you can uh, have, you know, have reco recover from. Um, so those are the big two for me, I think. No, I, I really see that, especially with veterans that I work with. I was actually having a conversation the other day uh, and uh, 
uh, working with the veteran for a while and things have, uh, you know, really kind of gone well. And if uh, honestly, if you're still seeing a therapist after two and a half, three years, then that therapist really isn't doing a very good job, right? We don't see physical therapy for two and a half years, because if you see physical therapy for two and a half years, that physical therapist is not doing their job. At, at some point, um, the, the whatever you're going to see physical therapy is healed. You know, of course, yes, there are chronic health conditions, but that's a great point uh, in that, you know, this isn't a long-term thing. Yeah, and the other thing I would add to that that does make mental health care a little bit different is that um, the way in which a, a mental health practitioner applies those treatments, applies those practices, um, it's not going to always work for everyone exactly the same. So that is the one difference in mental health care that, that, that can make it tricky for people is they think all all social workers, all psychiatrists, all psychologists, they're all the same. They all apply these. And so go to, going to one is the same as going to any. And, you know, if I go to one and I go to two or three sessions and it's not working, well, it's just because this is all BS and it doesn't work. And I knew it. I knew it. Why did I ever do this in the first place? I knew it was all BS. Well, no, the, the difference with mental health care is you do need to find that connection with somebody. You got to find that connection with somebody who can speak your language and help you unpack your own mind in a way that works. Um, and so, and just because it doesn't work doesn't mean that's a, a, a bad doctor. It's just you two aren't connecting. There is, there is that one difference when it comes to mental health. It's like the brain's a tricky thing and how we think and why we think the way we think is a tricky thing to unpack and figure out. And so, you do have to find the person that you can connect with and speaks your language. It can help you unpack it in a way that, that makes sense to you. You know, that's a great point. If I think that my orthopedist is a jerk, I don't care as long as he sets my leg correctly, right? Um, if I think my therapist is a jerk, it's simply not going to work very well. Uh, but right. then the the other point of you saying, you know, when it's bad, and, and here we're talking about veterans. You and I specifically work with veterans. Uh, veterans will generalize therapy a bad experience to all therapy so i went to a a uh, therapy treatment and it was bad that means therapy doesn't work and they tell all of their buddies and friends don't even bother because it's not effective if it's good it's specifically good so i had a good experience you should go to see this clinician only this clinician works and so when it's a good experience it doesn't generalize to all clinicians it only applies to this one therapist and that's the only one in the entire world that's any good yeah i had the exact i had the exact problem i mean i'm that i'm one of those prototypical cases that you talk about uh you know i finally got myself ready to to see somebody ready to talk you know, I've, I've dug myself deep enough into this mental health, mental hole. Uh, I'm ready to seek care. You know, I, I you know, I, I went to, I went somewhere. You know, I went, to, I went to a vet, went to a vet center, and I had a, a an experience there that that wasn't great. Uh, we didn't click. We didn't. It, it me and and uh, and my doctor didn't click. A couple of appointments, and it was a complete disaster. And then I didn't go back. I had that exact thought. I was like, I knew it. Like everything everybody told me about mental health care and specifically VA mental health care, like they were right. It's true. It's all BS. Like no wonder, no wonder veterans re refused to go to the VA and the vet center. Um, 
And it took me a long time to decide to give it a shot again. Uh, and I went to another doctor and he and I had, it was outside of the VA system and he and I had a half a dozen sessions or so. And again, it was like, it just weren't clicking. He's not speaking my language. He's not hearing me. We're not making progress. And so then I, I was, went away again for a year or so. And, and again, uh, and then I found another one. I decided to go back again and uh, sought some referrals. I talked to um, a psychologist who I knew who was not my psychologist, but was a psychologist, but who knew me and knew a little bit about my personality and asked for referrals and, and found one and went to see a third doctor. And we hit it off. And we've clicked and I've been seeing her for a while and it's great. And she speaks my language and she's helped me, you know, unpack my mind in a way that is useful to me. Um, does that mean the first two that I went to were bad and were applying their trade, you know, applying their, their trade in the wrong way? No, we just didn't click. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it was the prototypical case that you see all the time. And so many quit after that first one and say, Yep, that was it. I'm not going to do it again. I knew it. Um, and uh, sometimes you got to try a second or a third one or however many until you find the person that works for you. And and I wonder if you don't see that the, the challenge is even exacerbated because it takes a long time just to get in the door in the first place. That, uh, you know, just gearing up and, and you're sort of hesitant. And, uh, and I've talked about how um, you know, guys that'll kick down a door in Iraq won't kick down a door, won't come into it. They're, you know, they're afraid of what's on the inside of this door, uh, but they were not uh, the same way in Iraq or Afghanistan, that it's harder to come over this threshold. And so uh, once you already have those preconceived notions of this might not work, and then you run into that first clinician, and then it just confirms what you believe, and then you're just out in the world for a couple of years until it gets bad enough to try again. Yeah, I mean, that, that first experience I had, that bad one, that was 12 years after I got out of the Marines. <laughs> so, yeah, it took 12 years to do it. And then when I finally did, uh, it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just glad that I didn't let that, you know, convince me. It took me a little while to get back again. It took me a little while again to find the third one. But, um, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that I didn't let that you know, convinced me that all the, all the things people had said about it were, was right. So in, in what you were talking about uh, earlier about the expectation of recovery and just believing that this is going to be effective, right? That, that I'm going to go in there and I'm going to talk to this person and I'm going to get some things um, out. I mean, that's, that's not stigma. That's something totally different is just, we don't believe in the effectiveness of mental health treatment. We think it's snake oil. We think it's voodoo we think we're you know laying on the couch with a guy with glasses and a goatee even though i do have glasses and a goatee but we don't talk about your mother unless your mother's pro you know so there's this expectation um and especially veterans have that expectation that it's garbage and it's mumbo jumbo um how do you think we overcome that uh by talking about, I mean, by people like me and you uh, and others like us, you know, kind of being, you know, proselytizing about it. I mean, I don't know how else to do it or how else to say it, but, you know, what I, I say all the time to, to people, to, you know, people when I'm talking about it, I'm like, you know, it works. The, you, like, you are not the best judge of, of what is going on in your own head 
many times, most of the time, a lot of the time, especially with stuff like this that you're struggling with, depression, anxiety, PTSD, et cetera, all these, all these, these catchphrases, these terms that we talk about, you know, it, you are, even if you have the requisite, you know, mental health education and degrees, it's still hard to self-assess. You know, people with mental health degrees, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, they have their own psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers. Do, why? Because they're not the best judges of what's going on in their own head. You know, and if you and if you aren't that, if you don't have that education, that background, like you're definitely not the best judge of assessing what's going on in your own head. So go to somebody who knows more about it than you do and can help you unpack what you're thinking and help explain to you why you're thinking what you're thinking and help figure out why you're feeling what you're feeling and, and change it and find a new way to look at yourself and look at your feelings and think about your thoughts and, and how you look at the world. There are professionals out there that know a heck of a lot more about the human brain and how we think than you do. It's just like the physical doctor, right? It's like, why don't you set your own broken bone and put yourself in a cast? Because you don't know how to do that. Why are you not giving yourself an ACL repair surgery? You know, aside from the anesthesia access, you know, it's like, because you don't know how to do it. So you go to somebody who does and they can help you figure it out. I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's my big thing. It's like, you are not the best, sorry, man, you are not the best judge of, of whether or not this is going to work and, and whether or not what's going on in your head is fixable. So go to somebody who knows more about it than you do. See, I don't wonder, though, if that goes into the fact that the instrument we're using to evaluate is the instrument that is being evaluated, right? It's like using a microscope to look at a microscope. We're using our brains to look at our, our brains and our minds and our emotion. Um, we acknowledge the fact that I don't know how to set a broken bone or, um, you know, cure a ruptured tendon or something like that. But there's whether it's pop psychology or just general knowledge, or, but people do think. I, you know, I have actually heard people say that they are more qualified to talk about mental health because they don't have a clinical mental health degree, because they experience it and they know what it's all about, and they don't need some fancy paper to talk about it. Yeah, and and as painful as it might be for that person to hear, the answer to the response to that is, sorry, but you're wrong. Like, you're just wrong. And you need to go to somebody to get your mind right. So why do you think that uh, these opportunities are out there? This is something that, that you and I have talked about, and obviously we've talked about in many different levels. The, the resources are out there. Um, the, the Cohen Veterans Network, programs like my organization, uh, a lot of different organizations that have been highlighted on this show, clinicians are waiting for veterans to come in. Um, but somehow we don't do a very good job at being able to communicate to veterans about the effectiveness of what we're doing. What's the, what's the disconnect? I don't know. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I hope that just continuing to do things like this, to have these kinds of conversations, uh, will slowly chip away at it. You know, if you have enough people out there, this is, that's, uh, this is the other thing. If you have enough people out there that will, talk about their successes and how they got better, that helps. But, but because of the stigma, because we talk about mental health care differently than we do physical health, uh, we, there, there's not as many people out, you know, talking about the wins. 
you know, if you had a, you know, uh, uh, again, let's go to the physical thing, right? You had a, you blew out your ACL playing basketball and then you have a buddy who blows out his ACL playing basketball. What are you going to tell him? You're going to tell him about your doctor who did an awesome job. And you're going to tell him about the things that did and didn't work for you during your recovery process, right? You're going to talk about the doctor. You're going to talk about the different things you did throughout the recovery, what worked and what didn't, uh, the breakthroughs that you had, the points at, the points during the recovery, during the the rehab process that you had those breakthroughs. You're going to talk about those sorts of things. You're going to guide your buddy through it, and, t- and as, as someone who's been through it. You're going to let him know what to expect and what to what to do and not to do, right? Is anybody having those conversations about mental health? I've never heard them. I don't hear them very often. Um, and so I think it's got to be that. It's like it, for those veterans who are out there who have found who found a good therapist, who found a good a program or process or therapy that worked for them and helped them unpack whatever they were dealing with and the lessons that they learned throughout the process. Share those with your buddies, like share those with the community, share your successes, prove, prove to the, prove to the doubters that successes can be had and that healing can be had. No, I I like that by keeping quiet about the successes, then we don't set that expectation of recovery, right? Even, even though I recover uh, and things are going well, it's something that I don't want to talk about. It's, there's still shame connected to the fact that there was depression or suicidal ideation and so i don't talk about that and that doesn't chip away at that uh that expectation of you know forever mental health absolutely and and so this is sort of the 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 way that we have to i guess uh communicate right you know veterans to be honest, right? Veterans aren't uh, always going out seeking things about uh, mental health. You know, the the speaking that you do, the you know, the blogs or the podcasts and, and outreach. Um, there's still a barrier just trying to get them to even access that content. Um, is that all? Do you think still wrapped around into that? You know, I've got this. I've got this. Well, and and I think it's also. People don't, I think maybe I'm just speaking from me personally and thinking about my personal experiences. And so um, maybe people can relate to this. Maybe this is common. I don't know. But I I think, you know, one thing for me was not realizing that what I was thinking and what I was feeling and what I was struggling with was exactly the sort of thing that you go to receive mental health care for. Um, I thought it was just like, this is just normal. This is just life. This is just something I've got to deal with. And this is just how people feel. And, um, you know, maybe if I do this, maybe if I just like exercise a little bit more, maybe if I just tweak my diet a little bit, like that's gonna, like, that's gonna turn the dials in my brain and, and make things, you know, better. Um, and I think it was the, I had to realize that like, no, like you're the prototypical case. Like every, like you, somebody out there listening, like, no, like you're the you if you're struggling with, with the, any of these kinds of feelings, whatever we want to call it, depression or self-worth or motivation, um, uh, you know, just if you don't if you're not excited to get out of bed in the morning, I mean, not everybody's excited to get out of bed every morning. Right. But like if every day is a drag and every day is 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 feeling like what the hell am I even doing here? You know, 
Like, no, that's exactly the sort of thing you should be going to see somebody for because they can help with exactly that. Like that has a different feel than, again, not to keep beating a dead horse, but that has a different feel than a broken leg or the flu, right? The broken leg or the flu is like something like very clear that's off and is fixable, right? But like just feeling unmotivated and then down and you know, those are, that doesn't feel like something that has a clear fix to it. Um, but it is like, that's exactly the sort of thing that can be fixed. And so I, I think that maybe that's, has something to do with it too. But, um, yeah, I, I just think there, these things are fixable and, and they're fixable in a, in a shorter amount of time than you think. Um, you know, you can, we, you know, we talk at, at Cohen Veterans Network at our clinic, you know, we do, we do targeted treatment. So you come in and you tell us something that you want fixed. It's not just come and sit down and start talking about all your problems and, and we'll, you know, and you'll come in once a week for the rest of your life. And, you know, that's, you know, end of story. No, like, tell us what you want fixed. Insomnia, uh, some nightmares, uh, some some feelings of depression or self-worth. I mean, you tell us what it is that's bothering you that you feel like is the biggest hurdle towards you living the life that you want to live. And we're going to target that. And in 12, 14, 16 sessions, so a few months, let's see if we can't fix that. I bet you we can. And, and, and I mean, that's it. And talking about it like that, thinking about it like that, let's, let's, let's target this symptom that you're sick of having to deal with every single day. And, and let's fix it. Let's get rid of it. And so I think that uh, that's the lack of awareness piece, right? We are not aware of the fact that that's uh, that this is what we're dealing with and that other people deal with it too. You know, again, that's that silence that if we keep it to ourselves, uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, we, we consistently wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, if, if I don't start talking to you about that, which we're not going to talk about that at Buffalo Wild Wings or wherever, right? But if I do start talking to you about that, you'll be like, wow, man, that was the same thing for me. And, and it doesn't become uh, naturally understood. And so figuring out how to develop awareness in veterans that, A, this is a natural reaction, and B, you don't have to live with it and suffer, Developing that awareness is a is is critical before someone actually takes action action to change it. Yeah, absolutely, and and it and it is really is the, it is those little things, right? I think back to even just a year ago, two years ago, you know, it would take I would have to set my alarm for an hour to an hour and a half before I actually had to get up because I knew that's how long it was going to take me to muster up. The, the energy and the willpower to get my ass out of bed. I get up on my first alarm clock, my first alarm every morning now, and I'm fine and I'm ready to rock and roll and, and take on the day. Is every day awesome? Am I excited about it every day? No, but I think back to that, just that difference in, in you know, the last year, year and a half, um, there's two things that I credit that to, and it's yoga and a really good uh, therapist, <laughs> you know, and like these, and it's things like that. People don't think about something like that being the sort of thing that you would go to a therapist for, but it is like, that's, that's a problem with your brain, my friend. Like if you're having that problem, if you can't get yourself out of if you can't muster up the willpower and the motivation to get out of bed in the morning, like that's a problem with your brain and it's fixable. 
And and I and I think back to your story. Even at that point, you were fully engaged with the Wounded Warrior Project. You were serving <laughs> as a case manager. You were helping other veterans. You know, you were taking care of their stuff and saying, "Look, dude, you know, go. I got it. You know, and 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 go forward and do great things." Well, at the same time, silently or or individually struggling with the fact that it was just hard to put the the foot on the ground in the morning. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. You know, for sure. That is a challenge, yes, the, the physician heal yourself. And, and, and what you said earlier about, uh, you know, uh, docs have docs. I, I couldn't do what I did, what I do, if I didn't have somebody um, that I went to go see. I mean, it's just, it, it would not be possible for me to do it. Um, the fact that I have three combat tours, five operational deployments all, overall, it, you don't come out of something like that without a scuffed knee and, and things that need to be fixed out of the cobwebs. And so it's, there isn't anything wrong, um, and, and you're exactly right. It's, it's easier for us to identify and support others in getting help rather than getting ourselves help. Yep, always is. And then something else you said earlier, Matt, was about being a translator, right? Taking what you understand works in mental health and being able to communicate that to the veterans uh, that you're working with Translation, though, works both ways, right? Taking what is familiar with the veterans and maybe communicating that to clinicians who may be less familiar with veteran culture, um, maybe don't even know what a scout sniper is or, or the, what, what that whole culture is. Do you find that that's something you do as well? Absolutely. Um, I, <laughs> much to the uh, perhaps frustration or annoyance of my of my you know clinical co-workers from time to time i i am the veteran you know prototypical veteran in the office not that i not to say i'm the only veteran in the office but but i've definitely played that role i wear that hat um i've been trying to uh, i didn't ask you before we started if this is uh what what rating this podcast has so i've been trying to filter myself but you know what i'm the one dropping f-bombs in the office i'm the one who's a little bit too loud and has to be told to tone it down sometimes uh i'm the one who uh is is maybe a little too unfiltered and says what they think and uh isn't afraid to push back and disagree and argue um and uh yeah it took people it took some co-workers uh probably much of the last year to to get used to me um, but I think that's part of it. Um, you know, there's, uh, there, you were a different breed, the veteran, the veteran culture, the veteran community, like we're, we're a different breed or we certainly can be, you know, I don't want to paint all, all veterans with the same broad brush, but, but you know, those stereotypes exist for a reason a lot of times. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's a part of it is, is making sure that clinicians who are working with veterans get it and, and, and get the veteran and military community and, and get the struggles and are not going to be put off or turned off uh, by veterans who, 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 you know, talk about things that, you know, might shut down, um, you know, other, other therapists. And, and you think that that could be another reason why veterans won't, um, won't access treatment that, you know, if I can't deal with the worst day of my life and I'm going to go in and I'm going to see somebody I've got this picture of a therapist in my mind, you know, some young 24-year-old, you know, guy or gal who has never lived life sitting cross-legged on the floor burning incense. If I can't deal with this, they're definitely not going to be able to deal with this. And there's these stereotypes that veterans have about therapists 
that they're just like, I don't want to hurt you, therapy guy. I don't want you to deal with what I'm doing uh, because I can barely deal with what I'm doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to put, uh, you know, put this on that, that first therapist I talked to, but I think that was part of it is, you know, the things that I was talking about and the ways I was talking about it, uh, set off alarm bells in her head. And, and then we never, we never clicked and we never were able to dig deeper because it was just immediately like, you know, she was on high alert and, and we weren't ever to connect, you know, fast forward years until I found the one that I'm working with now. And, you know, I don't know if this is just who she is or she read me correctly, but you know, when she starts dropping F-bombs in our first session, I was like, all right, we're good here. I found, all right. <laughs> well, I found the right one. We're going to click. We'll be all right. Um, and we have been right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. You got to, you got, um, it's a two-way street of, of understanding and doing that unpacking for sure. And so, and this is an element of where I think peer support can benefit, especially regarding veteran mental health, right? Um, you, you are a veteran, um, a, a combat veteran who understands the veteran culture uh, and have come to learn the benefits of mental health. And so you're able to sort of exist in both areas, right? Bridge that gap between the clinician uh, and the uh, and the veteran because there's there's simply not enough clinicians like me in the field who are also veterans, uh, much less combat veterans and so on. Um, how critical do you believe the role of peer support, specifically when it comes to veteran mental health? How critical is it? Well, I just I think I think peer support is. There's two things that you just said that I want that I want to kind of unpack or respond to. I think peer support is incredibly important to the veteran community, period. And you asked, is peer support important to veteran mental health? Well, all veteran services, all veteran peer support, the entire veteran community, like it's all mental health. That's all mental health. Mental health is not just sitting down and talking to you or talking to another clinician, or as I like to say, you know, me mental health is not just sitting down and talking to somebody with initials after their name. You know, all these organizations out there that create, uh, try to recreate that military community in civilian life, they're all doing mental health. You know, um, so organizations like the Mission Continues and Team Rubicon, who find a way for, for provide a way for veterans to continue to serve their communities, that's mental health. Like they, they're a mental health organization that, you know, all those veterans who needed that, who needed to be able to give back and continue to serve, but, but got discharged from the military or maybe separate, you know, decided themselves to separate, but then missed it, you know, that's improving their mental health. You know, organizations like Team RWB that provide the physical fitness and the camaraderie and the connection, the bridging that, uh, you know, military civilian divide, like that's mental health. All the organizations out there that do employment for veterans, that's mental health. Like if you're unemployed, how mentally healthy can you be? Um, you know, if you're an organization that out there that helps veterans who have amputations or severe, you know, physical disabilities, find a new hobby and learn how to ski or get back out into nature and do hunting and fishing trips, Project Healing Waters. Like, is Project Healing Waters a, uh, 
an outdoor recreation organization or are they a mental health organization, right? So all these organizations, like it's all mental health. Getting yourself plugged into something you love and finding passion about life and getting reconnected with the veteran community or that that's all mental health. And so, and it's all peer support, right? Even if, even if you're just a fellow participant, navigating these organizations and the, and, and civilian life as a veteran together, that's peer support. Um, and part of that I think has to be for those of you, those veterans out there who are, are doing these sorts of things, going on retreats and going on trips or doing, or going on a deployment with Rubicon or, a, 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 a um, community service project with the mission continues. If you've had successes in mental health care, and, and you've gotten better by finding the right therapist and finding the right way to think about mental health care, share that, talk about it. Those, those forums, when you're out there in the community doing things with your fellow veterans and you see somebody struggling, um, you know, talk about it. Talk about your successes and what worked for you. Um, and that, that's all a part of it. It's all mental health. And so, and, and I think that that's a, a very critical to understand that uh, if things are off, there is something out there for everybody. Uh, and not everybody is going to respond only to just Team Rubicon uh, or Team RWB. Um, but this is some of the, the sort of the new age VSOs or whatever we're calling them, uh, the new organizations that they give veterans what the veteran needs. And not just... You know, but even things like the uh, the Travis Mannion Foundation that supports uh, building character. If you want to work with kids, Travis Mannion Foundation is an excellent organization to start working with. Um, you know, the any kind of you know service to school, all of these different um, you know student veterans of America. There's something that can that's out there that can serve the veterans' need. While at the same time, if the need is greater than just that, there's a clinical aspect too. You know, I'm not going to say that that you know every veteran should come see a therapist to be able to get things set um just like not everybody that uh, that that has a broken you could have stress fractures in your leg and you go see a physical therapist you don't have to go to the full orthopedic surgeon right i mean and so there's different levels and i think that that's where um you know having someone like you who is who who is tied into the veteran community but also is convinced of the benefits of mental health um, that, that can sort of help veterans navigate that kind of thing. Yeah, and one thing I would I would say there, and, and I'm not sure exactly how what what I think about this. This is a new thing that I've started thinking about recently, a uh, new idea, and, and and maybe you can tell me what you think of it since since you have the clinical background. But you said, you know, not everybody needs to go see um, you know see a clinician, see a therapist. I actually wonder if that's not true. Like we go see a primary care physician at least once a year. You're supposed to, right? Isn't everybody supposed to go see a doctor to get checked up, get your blood work done, make sure there's nothing going on behind the scenes that you don't know about? Like why can't we go see a therapist once a year, twice a year just for a checkup, just to make sure there's nothing festering behind the scenes that we don't know about or we don't realize? Um, and there's not something there that could be fixed that we didn't even realize we were suffering from. Um you know, maybe we should go get a checkup with a therapist uh, on a yearly basis, just like we go to you know primary care. I, I don't know. What do you think? So um, I, I think that there are some things that it goes back to your idea of we don't we're not fully aware of how deep what we're dealing with goes. 
uh, as you know and, and listeners know that I work with veterans in the criminal justice system. Uh, but I've actually worked with veterans uh, that, uh, you know, the, the court will send them to me to evaluate that I'm, they think that things are going bad, but I'm looking at the assessments and I'm talking to them and said, no, things are going pretty good. And so sort of that initial checkup is to say, you know, um, is there something here, right? You know, it's, uh, um, you know, I've got this pain in my leg, doc, right? You know, and, and, and so I think, yes, it could be beneficial for not the screenings that you and I took when we came back from deployment because we didn't, we didn't appropriately uh, answer those, um, but something where we actually sit down to somebody that gives us a little bit of insight. It's, it's that other point of view. Um, I, I think that could be beneficial. I, I think what I mean is not every veteran needs therapy, right? Not every veteran needs to come in. And, and there's actually times where I'll say, you know, you, you, don't meet, you don't need therapy, so to speak, but if there's something you want to come in and, and you want to check, um, and, and we can come in periodically. And also it goes into that where you don't need them forever. Um, you know, after the, the course of treatment, um, again, my buddy uh, Bennett Tanton back in episode 39, he said uh, he has a therapist that he hasn't seen in two years. But he knows that that's his therapist and that if he calls back his therapist, he can get in to see him if he needed to. Right. So yeah. I, I, I don't I like the idea of, um, you know, making it as routine as going to see the dentist, which we also avoid. Right. You know, but, you know, it's it, but I'm it, at the point where I would rather go see my therapist than the dentist at this point. That is much more palatable to me. For all you veterans out there who don't want to go see a therapist but are willing to go see a dentist, like that's the <laughs> that's the wrong way. Like, like therapy is much more palatable and much more enjoyable to me than the dentist at this point. So if you're willing to go see the dentist once or twice a year, uh, you should be willing to go find a therapist. But then that goes back to your idea of uh, the expectations of recovery, right? Yeah, okay, he's going to, you know, poke stuff in my mouth, but it's going to be over in an hour, right? And then I don't have to see him again for another six months. And so, you know, for a lot, it's going to endure, uh, for a dentist, it's an endurance test, um, if I do it at all. But, you know, for a therapist, I don't know what I have to endure. I, I'm concerned that, you know, the pain, uh, so to speak, of the poking and prodding inside my brain is going to last longer than the poking and prodding inside my mouth. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, people just have to realize, you know, it's, it's how you, how your mind allows you to interact with the world. Right. And physical pain is, is felt through your brain. Right. So even if it's the dentist or, or a broken bone or whatever, like that's still your brain and it's still your mind and how you interact with the world. Why do you want that physical pain gone? It's so it's the so the so that the noise of that physical pain in your brain can go away so that you can interact with the world in, in a healthy way that that feels good. And like mental health is the same thing. You know, go to get that fixed so that the noise can go away so that you can interact with the world in, in a, a way that isn't clouded by just a different kind of pain. Right. It's, uh, you know, it is not fun being angry all the time or anxious all the time or or depressed all the time. It's, you know, having these uncontrollable, significant emotions. It's not pleasant. We don't enjoy it. We might have enjoyed it when we deployed because that's what we did to survive, right? You know, the anger was fuel when we were deployed in the appropriate environment. 
but now it, it's not fun walking around on pins and needles and, and being you know pissed off all the time you know it, it impacts our life and so those are some great points so this is uh this is some good stuff man if if people wanted to let's say they're in uh in colorado they wanted to connect and, and see what uh, cohen's going on and maybe even talk about a little bit about cohen is a nationwide network how can people get connected with cohen uh and then how can people get connected with you specifically uh, so, yeah, just to give you a little bit about the Cohen Veterans Network, I'll give you the, the quick background. Um, so for anybody who hasn't heard of it, well, you said you had you had Dr. Hassan on. I'm sure he gave a great background on it. But right now, Denver was the eighth clinic in the network to open. I think we're over 10 now across the country. We'll have uh, 14 by the end of this year or the beginning of next year, and we'll have 25 clinics open by 2020. Uh, we're also able to uh, – uh, all of our services are available – uh, via what we say telehealth, right? It was care from anywhere. Um, you can go and, uh, from all four, four corners of Colorado and you can get dialed in just like we're doing now, you know, over Skype, you can get, you can, you can talk to your therapist and, and, and get these issues fixed from anywhere. Uh, the, the hope is that, you know, in the years to come, uh, th with the network of clinics across the country, we'll be able to cover, you know, every every county in the in the nation you know via telehealth and so no matter where you are you'll have access to a culturally competent clinician uh understands the military culture and veteran culture and can help you unpack this um all these services are available not just to veterans but their their fam their entire family as well as family as the veteran defines it so in addition to you know blood and legal relatives it could be a best, fr a best friend or roommate uh, we really want to be able to strengthen the entire support network around the veteran uh, we can work with young children we can work with couples entire families uh, we can do it all we can help uh, we're doing amazing work I've, I've seen it already um, had so many veterans who are have come through our clinic and family members just saying thank you like this, this has made such a difference. It's changed our lives. And I know that's what's happening in all these clinics all over the country. And so um, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you want to know if there's one nearby, uh, just go to CohenVeteransNetwork.org and, and look for the clinics. Uh, if you're in Colorado, uh, go to DenverCohenClinic.org. Uh, you'll find our clinic's website. You'll find information there. Um, and uh, I'm sure you'll have my full name on, on the podcast. Just look for my name. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, connect with me. Um, my info is on our clinic's website as well. Um, my email address, I'll even give you that. We're all University of Colorado employees. So my email address is matthew.wettencamp at ucdenver.edu. If you have any questions, you want to know about what to look for, what to ask about, how to think about this, if you just need to be convinced that it'll work and you should give it a shot, uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, if anybody, if the more people I can convince to give it a shot and, and try to unpack uh, the mess that's going on in their brain, like I was able to do, uh, the world would be a better place. So please reach out. No, that's great, man. I appreciate that. I'm definitely going to make sure that all those links are in the show notes uh, so people can get a hold of that if they'd like to. So thanks for coming on the show. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. As always, a great conversation. Matt's just as fired up as I am about veterans accessing mental health services and is as vocal about his experience as anyone I know. 
What would it be like if more veterans talked about the benefits of treatment as Matt did? I get it. This isn't something we talk about in public, but what's wrong with talking with your buddies about it? There are a couple of points that I'd like to bring home that came out of our conversation. Matt talked about an idea that you've heard often before. Why don't we talk about mental health the same way we do physical health? They're tied together and you can't have one without the other. When I was in the Army, we talked about the total soldier concept, the service member's potential, expertise, fitness, education, and included in there was attitude and judgment. Those are psychological concepts, cognitive ones. We can't succeed if we don't have our heads in the right place. Then there was Matt's assertion that all veteran support services have to do with mental health and wellness. This is also something that I believe. Mental health is not something we just bring out when everything goes wrong, but good mental health is foundational to success after the military. Often, we do everything but therapy and use therapy as a last resort, if at all. Instead, if a veteran were able to reach out and connect before things get into crisis, then life would be a whole lot easier for them. That's what I'm trying to do here on the Headspacing Tommy podcast. Let veterans, their families, and those who support them in the community understand more about mental health and wellness. If you want to keep up with all of our content, make sure to subscribe to the Headspace and Tommy website by going to our homepage, VeteranMentalHealth.com, and clicking on the orange button in the middle of the picture. And if you want to get this info in a different way, make sure to check out the latest Headspace and Timing book, Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy, which can be found on Amazon. Next week, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Carmen McLean from the National Center for PTSD. Dr. McLean is beginning a study that looks how veterans can access effective treatment through an internet-based program perhaps as a way to overcome some of the barriers that Matt and I talk about in this episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. And until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV podcast network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out, because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability Oh, I try so hard to have faith.
guys. Take those bottles out, dog, and pour them in the sink. Take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead. It's time, man. You've been through enough pain. Stand up. It's time to stand back up. All my veterans, man. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. Get up, you know. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.